Welcome to Cat Chat, the pet talk podcast devoted to the physical and emotional well-being of cats and their people. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give your kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment. My co-host is the feline expert, Dr. Michael Maria Delgado, along with other cat authors and experts. The show is brought to you with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, a company privately owned by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose mission has been to personally formulate a wide variety of litters for all types of cats, so they keep using their litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. Dr. Elsie also created his own cat food, Clean Protein, wet and dry foods that are specifically appropriate for a cat's nutrition needs because they're based on the protein a cat eats naturally. Clean Protein is the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. Dr. Elsie's is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my New York Cat Film Festival which brings together short films from around the world that celebrate kitty cats. It would be impossible for me to bring this delightful joy to people without Dr. Elsie's generosity. The fifth annual New York Cat Film Festival will premiere this fall in New York City and then travel to theaters across America and Canada, with a portion of every ticket going to local cat welfare organizations. Please show your appreciation of Dr. Elsie's support by choosing their products, whenever you can. I got a letter from a listener. She was so kind. She said, I want to mention how much I enjoy your show. Thank you so much for great information I can use for my kitties. And then she had a question and I couldn't answer it on my own. So who do I go to for medical questions in particular to do with cats? My dear, dear friend, colleague, and at one time co-host of Cat Chat when it was live on Sirius XM for all those many years, Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins, who had her own feline-only vet practice and was very busy in the pet industry, working for a a variety of companies, from insurance to pet food to pharmaceuticals. She's a genius. I do say that with no reservation. Well, you are, Elizabeth. You're just so smart. I mean, she has a law degree. She has a veterinary degree. She She could wear so many hats. She's now retired and thrilled to be retired. But she's still got a brain full of information. So, Elizabeth, I did send you Sharon's email, but I want to read her couple of sentences and then talk to you about it. The first thing I would tell Sharon, and I would say to anybody who has a cat, while I'm happy for you to buy the Cat Bible, my book, which has a little of absolutely everything in it, and not so little either, Dr. Elizabeth wrote a book called Your Cat. Make sure that you get the one called Your Cat by Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins. Somebody else used the same title, which there's no (laughs) copyright on titles. It's a wonderful book to have to quickly look up medical things, either before you go to your own vet or after you've seen your vet. It just gives you this great overview. So this is about a a kitten with feline leukemia. This is Sharon's question. I have a friend that rescued a sweet kitty that has feline leukemia passed from the mama. She's only two years old, but the effects of her FELV are distressing to her. This means the kitten and the owner. Every 14 days, she gets sick for two or three days. She can barely open her eyes. She sneezes and becomes swollen in the area of her cheeks, and she won't eat. She's clearly uncomfortable. After the two-day period, she bounces back as if nothing was wrong. 
So Sharon wants to know what can she suggest to her friend. I didn't realize, Elizabeth, that feline leukemia isn't isn't a disease that can be kept under control, that it flares like that. Is that normal? Well, it's like a lot of viral diseases that we've all become uh, more familiar with uh, recently. It, it is known to uh, hide out in the bone marrow and other tissues in the body of the cat. Um, and so it can wax and wane like this. What's interesting about this is that it, according, according to your, your listener, it always flares the same way, same amount of time, same period of remission in between these flares. That's, mm-hmm. that's a little bit unusual for FELV, but it sounds to me, if I had to uh, diagnose this kitty with this much information, I would say that this cat probably also has, and if it was rescued, it's likely that it had herpes virus. Yes. So what it's got is FELV suppressing its immune system, and this herpes has an opportunity periodically to cause this cat to have these symptoms of upper respiratory disease, uh, which is kind of a bummer for this kitty because it's not much fun to have these flares of upper respiratory infection. Um, What to do about it? We don't have really good antivirals. We don't have anything like we do uh, for HIV in people where we can control that disease for almost ever with the good antivirals we have. Um, now, FELV is a retrovirus. Uh, cats do get an H- HIV, a, a feline immunodeficiency virus, which is a very different disease than FELV, and we won't go into that. But both of those viruses, including FELV, hide out in the body. It's very difficult for the body to completely rid itself. It can push those viruses down below detectability but it's very difficult to get completely rid of it. Now, if this lady has a very knowledgeable veterinarian, either a cat-only veterinarian, somebody that's specializing, or someone who sees dogs and cats but really has a deep interest in uh, cats and has done a lot of reading and, and has experience, I would definitely recommend she not have this kitty being seen by somebody who is trying to be all things to all pet owners of all all Yeah, species, all species, right? yeah. Yeah, because it's one of those things, if I saw this cat, I would, one, want to try to control these upper respiratory virus symptoms. And one of the ways that can happen is that you can put this kitty on antibiotics, a broad-spectrum antibiotic, like azithromycin, Zithromac, yep. even amoxicillin would probably be helpful in making the cat more comfortable during these periods of upper respiratory signs. That's, that was, would be how I would start. During one of those episodes, I would also test the cat for FELV, and then I would test it later uh, when it is feeling better to see if the level of FELV had changed. Because I would expect that during the periods when the cat is really suffering, Uh, having the upper respiratory infection, that the virus is predominating, that there's an awful large viral load at that time, and that when the cat recovers, its immune system kind of beats everything down. And that's the encouraging thing about this cat, Tracy. This cat seems to be able to mount a response uh, which that, like I said, that's very encouraging. And if antibiotics could keep this kitty from having these 
periods of suffering when it's really having this upper respiratory uh, symptomatology, if, if that could be controlled better, this kitty could probably go on for a while. A question you asked me when you sent me the email was, how about keeping this cat with other cats? Right. Absolutely bad idea. Got it. Very bad idea because uh, FELV not only passes through the milk, which is how this kitty, we think, got it from the mother, but it, it passes in the saliva. It is a disease of friendly cats, we say. Uh, uh, cats with FELV pass it by being friendly with other cats. Mm-hmm. Okay. So grooming, uh, sharing water bowls, food bowls, anything where saliva in particular, you, it can be passed in other bodily fluids, but particularly saliva is going to infect uh, uninfected cat. Now, if you have multiple cats with FELV, of course, you, you don't worry about it so much. But I definitely would not let this kitty be friendly with uninfected cats. That's a big rule. Well, that's that's real. That's extremely good advice. My quite that what's interesting is that Sharon writes, and I think the owner of the kitty thinks that these symptoms are from the, are from the feline leukemia. But I was wondering myself when I read it. But are those typically feline leukemia symptoms? And you're saying no, they're more of an upper respiratory herpes, which is something Correct. that cats are also very vulnerable to. And if a cat has one kind of virus, it makes them very vulnerable to other kinds of virus. Now, it, there is, I'm asking you this because I'm pretty sure it's true. I know kittens need lots of vaccinations and it's essential sometimes to their life and death, not to mention well-being. There is a vaccination had this kitten been vaccinated and not gotten it from her mother. Is there a vaccine for leukemia? There is, but what's interesting is that the uh, scientific community, the clinical community around cat medicine is that FELV vaccination is not really recommended. That's what I was wondering. It's not a very effective vaccine. It's it's not recommended at this point, which made me very happy to read that. I was was refreshing my memory on all this over the last week, and... uh, it's definitely not recommended. Uh, it's, it, it's just not effective enough. The side effects outweigh the potential benefit. That's very important um, that so, people hear that. But there are other yes. vaccines for kittens against other illnesses that are recommended still or not? Yes. The upper respiratory complex of, of viral vaccines, particularly herpes, which is kind of the big one, but there's Khaleesi virus and others, um, that's a good vaccine. I used to give that to kittens, a couple of doses by the time they're about 16 weeks of age. Um, the big one is panleukopenia. Uh, that is a very deadly disease for young cats. So I'm, I'm not an advocate of a lot of vaccines in adult cats, particularly if they're indoors, which we all hope they are. Right. Um, but certainly kittens should be getting panleukopenia and upper respiratory infection virus vaccines. Those are really important. Now, other veterinarians may have a different view, but according to the latest uh, statement of standard of care for veterinarians and cats, uh, FELV is not going to be one of them. So this kitten was, even if even if the vaccine community, the veterinary community said, oh, great, that, that vaccine, we've improved it or it really works, it's too late if you already got it from your mother, right? Yes. 
Oh, yes. So now Um, you've got it. Like a person has cancer or leukemia can be cured in people depending on the kind. What about herpes? If the cat already, is there a test that can tell this person that this upper respiratory reaction every 14 days is from herpes? Or is it better to just treat the symptoms? Is there a way to test and find out, is it herpes or is it some other dreadful disease? Something like Khaleesi. Well, it's probably not something dreadful. Because if okay. it was something dreadful, She'd... this cat would not be going up and down like a right. roller coaster. Right, That's why. And, and it was interesting that you said, well, maybe this is herpes and not FELV. And then you went on to very correctly state that, but the FELV may be making this cat much more susceptible. That's yeah. absolutely true. Although once young kittens get herpes, it's kind of a nightmare. And particularly if you let them just suffer with it and you don't use antibiotics. I see. My experience with lots and lots of cats with herpes and Khaleesi and other upper respiratory infections um, is that antibiotics are very helpful. Now you say, rightly, well, these are viral diseases and antibiotics right. are, for, are for bacterial yes. diseases. Well, yes. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, Antibiotics are anti-inflammatory. They are. That's settled, settled science. Uh, because they're anti-inflammatory, they can reduce the symptoms. If you've got a head cold, let me tell you, you've got inflammation in your head. You just right. do. Right. I take antibiotics when I get a head cold. I do. And I recommend it for my son. When he was young and I had control, he always got antibiotics, my husband. Fortunately, that doesn't happen very often to us, once every several, several years. Right. But the reality is, is that we snap back from colds within a couple of days. And we know people, you know, the cold outbreak period, seasonal outbreaks. We know people who are down for 10 days with, sure. a, with a bad head cold. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm firmly convinced, and I do know that the kitties, the little kittens that would come in and they, you, their eyes were swollen shut. They had so much gunk coming out. Their noses, you know, were full of mucus. And I mean, they Miserable. looked like death warmed over. And these cats responded extremely well and quite rapidly to broad spectrum antibiotics like amoxicillin or uh, Zithromax, you know, uh, Z-Pak, that yep. sort of thing. Everybody's familiar with that. So that's my bias. Now I've talked to other veterinarians who agree. I've talked to veterinarians who, you know, their hair catches fire because they say you're contributing (laughs) to antibiotic resistance. I don't happen to subscribe to that view of things. I don't think veterinarians contribute to that. Um, And I think when we deny something that can ease suffering for a a little kitten that has something it can never really get rid of, but is probably going to have flares, not every two weeks, but probably going to have flares every, you know, year or two when something stressful happens. And that's what happens with herpes. If, even if you aren't an FELV positive cat, if you're carrying herpes virus around, and it does, it's like in people, we all know that people who get infected with the various herpes strains can have flares of their herpes, and particularly when they're under stress. Yes. And so um, you, you manage the symptoms in that case. And I'd say this key might do just fine since it's, fighting the good fight and winning yes. on a periodic basis. I think this cat might not have a really bad prognosis, but it's going to have to be watched very closely and have a really competent, caring veterinarian managing it. That's r- extremely well said, as always. You you give the, the big picture and you give the micro picture. I guess the, the takeaway is please find for this kitten 
if you don't already have a very cat-centric vet or feline-only vet or you can't find access to one, find one who has just a cat room and uses pheromones and makes it a really cat-comfortable place and one who would consider using antibiotics when these flare-ups happen. I would add something else because when you talk about stress, one of the things that's little understood by people in general is that cats live on the brink and precipice of being stressed all the time, being a prey and predator animal and highly reactive to changes in their environment. So if that kitten happens to live in a house with a lot of people that come and go, other animals that come and go, which we kind of certainly hope that's not cats, but there isn't a feeling that the cat is chill and life is fine. These flare-ups could be triggered by stressors that the new owner or new-ish owner doesn't realize the cat is suffering from. So if there's a lot of workmen in the house or loud music or sounds, it wouldn't take much to raise a stress lever, lower an immune system, and then get these flare-ups. Because every 14 days sounds wildly regular, strangely regular. So I'd like to know what I've happens never, every I've never two, seen that. Yeah, what happens every yeah. two weeks in this person's house? Is that the day that yeah. the cleaning crew comes in or the umpa mm-hmm. band is out in the backyard or some kind of, you know, random cats are outside the window terrifying the kitten inside? Who knows? But managing right. the stress level means understanding how many things are stressors to cats and changes exactly in the right. environment. And lack of regular regularity in the environment, some cats are more sensitive to than others. And we always have to throw in, if this person is feeding dry food, known as kitty crack by Dr. Elizabeth and myself, to the cat, <laughs> that is definitely lowering their ability to be a healthy, obligate carnivore cat. So Sharon knows that. She's listened to the show for a long time. It's good, very hard to make our listeners into acolytes who then go out and preach the, the no kitty crack story. But if she's not getting only wet food and kitty cracks any part of the picture, that can't be helping things. I'm certainly Absolutely hopeful not. that she can find this this better vet, maybe, different kind of vet, different uh, different positioned vet. Try the antibiotics, even if it only comes from hearing that Dr. Elizabeth Hodgkins said so on the show. I'm going to send Sharon the link to this show so that she can listen to it sooner and share it with her friend, and her friend can share it with her vet. And the vet, um, if they've got the 20 minutes, can listen and go, okay, you know, Dr. Elizabeth makes a good point. She's my colleague, even though I don't know her. Let's try that. And testing the FELV level, FELV level, when the kitty's sick and or better, and seeing if, in fact, that viral load is so much greater when the cat's sick, or is this herpes that's jumping on board and slamming the cat? So thank right. you, Dr. Elizabeth, for your, your care and consideration of cats everywhere. Anyone who doesn't have a copy of your cat, it's a wonderful reference to have on the shelf to just take it down. You guys know about books, right? You know about research books. You know you don't just doc- Dr. Google everything. You could actually own a book and open it. There's an index. A shocking idea. Um, but it's really very useful to have. It's very plain language, very simply described, and something to share with a vet because the other vet will see that a vet wrote it in grown-up language and maybe help other vets become more cat-centric. Thanks again, Dr. Elizabeth. Thank you, Tracy.
Thanks for listening, and I also want to thank Wonderside for their support. It's a company founded and run by a woman entrepreneur who wanted to find an effective way to keep fleas, ticks, and other pests away from her pets and home instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes plant-powered products to keep parasites at bay without dousing your cats and property with ingredients that are harmful to them and the planet. A final pause up to Dr. Elsie's for all the fine products they make and their unwavering support of my mission to make life better for each and every kitty cat and their people. If you have cat problems or questions you'd like me to talk about on the show, please write me to Tracy at tracyhotchnerpets.com.